Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, lead pastor of Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more about Alive Church or Pastor Derek, please visit alivechurchoc.org or derekdunn.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform at Alive Church OC or Derek Dunn OC. The title of my message, I love to kind of come up with a catchy title, and I was looking, and so I prepared the title today, The Secret Sauce of Transformation. The secret sauce. You know, we always talk about the secret sauce. What is it that makes it powerful? What is it that makes it great? we got some great chefs in the house, and uh, uh, Dwayne will be here in the next service. He's kind of our resident church chef, and, and uh, he, you'll get a taste of Dwayne during Thanksgiving, and then when we have our Thanksgiving party. Uh, but, but what is it? It's, it's when we come together and we have uh, something, the secret sauce. It's that ingredient that kind of pushes us over the top. I haven't been out, and sometimes you can eat stuffed food, and it's just bland. It's just flat. It doesn't really do anything for you. Are you here? Nowadays, our food's filled with uh, over-processed stuff, and there's all these preservatives in it, and it's got no uh, health to us. But the Word of God is alive. It's full of power. And what is the, the, really the secret sauce? What is the thing that brings about transformation? So many people are struggling, and they walk with, with God's, uh, Paul said it this way, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I keep doing. I got real quiet here this morning. And, and that's the struggle. How many know the struggle is real sometimes? What, bring, what causes us to, to, to see change? What causes us to bring about transformation? Last week we talked about godliness and we learned uh, the meaning of life is not about accumulation. It's not about our reputation. It's not about self-preservation. It's about transformation. Someone say Transformation. So I'm going to take it a little bit further today. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. So we learned last week, godliness is an exercise. Whose responsibility is it to exercise? Turn your neighbor and say, it's yours. Come on. Point someone behind you and say, it's yours. I can't exercise for you. Are you here? I'd love if I could say my wife's going to the gym and I'd say, hey, put some reps in for me, babe. Burn some calories for me, babe. That doesn't work. And so the person on your left or right, even your connector leader, even for me as your pastor, I can't uh, begin to exercise or do it for you. All of our walks with God are individual. We're individuals, part of the body. Your transformation is your responsibility. Whew. That takes the pressure off. Come on. Off of others, but it puts it on us where it's supposed to be. And so it says, exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. Didn't get no amens there. Say amen. amen. But godliness is profitable in all things. Don't say all things. So godliness, it profits us in every area of our life. Because as our soul prospers, every area of our life will prosper. As your soul prospers, you become more godly. Guess what? Your marriage is going to prosper. Your family's going to prosper. Your business is going to prosper. Come on, our, our, our territory is going to prosper. How do we see revival? Uh, how do we see the light of God coming in, 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 our, in our nation, in our cities, one person at a time? As Christ is formed in us, 
Come on, we make better citizens, we make better employees, we make better bosses, we make better in every area of our life. It's profitable in all things, in this life and in the life to what to come. So godliness is profitable in all things. That means it helps us in every area of our life. If you need help through, we talk about breakthrough this morning. I love breakthrough because breakthrough is in the house. I know breakthrough is coming, but how is breakthrough going to come? Through obedience to the word. How is breakthrough going to come? As we start letting Christ be transformed in us. Sometimes I hear people say, I can't do it anymore. That's the best place to be in because now God can do it. As long as we're trying to do it, as long as we're, we, we've got our own agenda and our own way of doing it, and, you know, we compartmentalize God, we, we love God, but that's on Sunday. It's the Lord's day, but the other days belong to us. That's not in the Bible. Every day is the Lord's day. Are you here? Every day is Christmas. People love Christmas, you know. I was with Samuel the other day. We went to Costco. He's like, oh, I love Christmas. But every day is Christmas because Jesus is alive. Come on. Now we have Christmas in June and Christmas in July and people, you know, people put their Christmas decorations up six months early. No, stay in the cheer of Christmas. Stay happy. Come on. Share the love with people. Have joy. Be a giver, not just at Christmas, but all year long. Are you here? 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 tells us that all Scripture, someone say all. It's given by the inspiration of God. And it says here it's profitable to us for our doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. Now, what does it say? The, the, the Bible basically does a few things. One, it gives us our doctrine. What does it mean to have doctrine? That's our handbook. That's the recipe for life. We don't get to determine how we relate to God or how God relates to us or, or the way that we want it to be. God determines and he put what we call the doctrine, which is there, on how we do life, how we do marriage, how, how our, our doctrine. It's the foundation of our faith. And so it gives us that. And then it, it says something here. It brings about reproof. What is repute? Proof. One translation says rebuke. Because guess what? When you look at the word and there comes a conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And how we choose to obey determines how we're aligning ourselves. Are we aligning ourselves with the kingdom of this world or are we aligning ourselves with the kingdom of God? If we align ourselves with the kingdom of God, we're aligning ourselves with the king. And guess what? When we align ourselves with the king, there's order, there's anointing, and blessing flows. But if you align yourself with the world, then guess what? The God of this world is not the God that we serve. And what is there? There's fear, there's perversion. There's competition, there's wrangling and backbiting and all those things. So in our life, what is, the, what is life about? It's a battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, or godliness and worldliness. And in every area of our life, we have to fight that battle. Come on. It's not just in our giving, it's in our sexuality. I ain't get no amens on that. It's not just in our sexuality, it's what, in how we behave as a man, how we behave as a woman, in our identity. The world's crazy, if you have not realized, and it's getting crazier. What used to be common sense, what used to be common knowledge and science, now the world kind of muddles it up to where what? Whatever a person wants to believe or think, it's okay. But that's not true. There's absolute truths of the kingdom of God because he's the king. He establishes his kingdom and he's not going to change. His kingdom's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's eternal. Are you here? And so it's for doctrine, for proof, for correction, and what? Instruction and righteousness. What does that mean? On how to live our lives. 
And so we need to know the word of God. So many people, they don't know the word of God. Even in our own church, you know, we, we went through and talking to the leaders yesterday. And, and our goal is to get you educated. Not just in mathematics and science and English and, and all those things, but educated in the word of God. And so we have our Christian education program. If you're not getting educated, please sign up. And we've got getting started in Christian Lifestyle 1 and Christian Lifestyle 2. And we've got, you know, spiritual warfare to teach you how to pray. All of these things to help you in your Christian life. Because a lot of people, we've had people gone been in church for 20 years and they still don't know the Bible. Because even on a Sunday morning, how many scriptures can we get? It's not a Bible study here, line upon line, precept upon precept. We open the Word of God, but we only have 52 weeks, 52 hours, and we need more than that. Are you here? But it gives us the instruction in righteousness. And what's the goal? That the man or the woman of God, someone say, that's me, would be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love that. That we're equipped for every good work, we're equipped for whatever comes against us because the word of God has prepared us. So as we desire to have the hope of righteousness, how does transformation come? It doesn't just come because you get saved. That's the starting point. Thank God that we're, we brought out of sin and into the light. Thank God that the curse of sin and death, that the bondage of sin has been broken over us. But can we still choose to sin? Come on. We can. It's all about our choice. Are we choosing righteousness? Are we choosing worldliness? Are we choosing right standing with God? Are we choosing sin? And the struggle is real. Are you here? Does God still love us? Is his grace still there for us? Yes. He doesn't kick us out of the family every time we do something wrong. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. But if we want to walk in blessing, we've got to choose life. We've got to choose obedience. Can you say amen? amen? And so in our desire to grow in godliness, we've got to look to the word of God to give us the right direction. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, John says this. He says, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. Now what is he saying? He's not saying you can't love ice cream. Come on. But in comparison to your love for God, your love for ice cream is like hate. That's what he said. That's why I say, if you love your father, your mother, your sister, brother, mother, you love me, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. What is he saying? He's not saying we shouldn't love our family. What is he saying? He's got to be first. So above all else, is there anything wrong with enjoying the world? No. I mean, I went down, uh, you know, yesterday I had lunch and after Bible school and was, went down towards Dana Point on my way home and looked at the beautiful water. Thank God we live in a beautiful place. And I was thinking, when's the last time I've been here? It's been a, probably a few months. And like, I'm paying for it, but I don't see it much. I need to enjoy it. But guess what? Life is not a beach. Life is about Jesus. And you look, and I saw the boats, and people were parasailing and all that. And that's fun, and I can enjoy it, but I don't live to parasail. Come on. Do we eat to live, or do we live to eat? <laughs> it all has to do with our heart and our pursuit. Are you here? So what is he saying? Don't love the things of the world more than you love God. He said, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's how the world functions. 
It said it is not of the Father, but it's of this world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God will abide forever. Again, it goes back to godliness. Profitable in this life and the life to come. And again, godliness is not perfection. Godliness is allowing the, the work of transformation to happen in our life by our choices, by the things that we see, by exercising godliness, exercising kindness. Are you here? So John gives three disciplines if we want to grow towards godliness and see transformation in our life. We're going to look at those this morning, break it down. Are you still here? So what are the three disciplines to see transformation or, or we could say godliness in our lives, three things. Number one, to see transformation, we need the discipline of affection. And affection is a discipline. We don't realize that. Well, I can't help it, you know. Uh, if I feel like it, I can't help myself. Yes, you can. Come on, I feel like eating the whole pint of coffee, almond fudge, ice cream. But I don't have to do it. Are you here? Sometimes I don't feel like getting out of bed. And that's dangerous when you're self-employed. Because you're your own boss. Hello. But sometimes you got to fire yourself and rehire yourself. you got to be harder on yourself. Why? It's a discipline. People love being self-employed because, oh, I can do what I want. But then they're struggling because you never get out of, you never do your disciplines. And so, you know, this week when I was praying, I posted on my Instagram, you know, when I was praying, one of the words said is, is and I felt was not just a word for me, but a word for our, our church, is don't neglect your disciplines. Don't neglect your disciplines. And sometimes the disciplines are what I call the boring basics. I mean, in our life, we have to discipline ourselves. If you want to be healthy, what do you have to do? Exercise. What else? Eat well. What well? Sleep. Get enough sleep. Okay, make sure you've got nutrients, all those things. If you do that, you're going to be healthy. If you don't do that, you're not going to be healthy. Don't blame the devil. Oh, the devil's just attacking my body. It ain't the devil. you got to move it, move it, move it, or you're going to lose it, lose it, lose it. Come on. <laughs> Are you here? So sometimes we blame other, we blame the devil for things, and, and the devil's alive and well. I get he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he devour, but the Bible says he's defeated. So unless we are operating under the kingdom of this world, he has no authority over our life. Our life belongs to God. We've been bought with a price. Our life belongs to Jesus. There's protection there. There's covering there. But in the areas we get outside of the word, then our lives are open to the authority of the devil. And the Bible talks about here the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the deceitfulness of, of riches. So what does it say here? The lust of the flesh, that has to do with our affection. Because your, your flesh just wants pleasure. I saw someone the other day and someone came up about a, a preacher was saying, he's saying, we, we, we love comfort. We live for comfort. But if you want to serve God, you can't live for comfort. Because sometimes God will make you uncomfortable. God's more interested in your character than your comfort. Well, God exists to make me happy. No, he doesn't. Are you here? Now, if you serve God, are you going to be happy? Yes, you're going to have life and life abundantly. But sometimes you don't know what you need. We know what we want. We know what we like. But we don't know what we leave. And, and, and even in discipline physically, when you do physical discipline, it's not always enjoyable. Are you here? But 
no pain, no gain. As we bring ourselves to that discomfort, what are we doing? We're building capacity. So sometimes in the middle of difficult times, we get angry with God. God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why is the devil allowing me to go through this? Sometimes it's not the devil. It's just called life. And we're building capacity. We're learning to trust God. We're learning to exercise our faith because God wants us to grow up. You know, when you first get saved, it's like, and I remember, like if you pray a prayer and it's like God answers it the next day. Or the same day. It's like, wow. And then guess what? You've been saved a while and now you're having to travail. You're having to stand in faith. You're, you're learning that scripture when you've done all you can do, stand. You understand what it means not to grow weary and well-doing. But a new believer, it's like a little baby. You, ah, and the bottle comes. Ah, your diaper gets changed. But you've got to learn to grow up. We learn in life that that's not life. We don't just cry and get upset. God, I'm upset with you. And there's the bottle. Because now we got teeth. We got to learn to eat. We gotta, and it's more work to eat than to drink. Last night I had cooked steak for the family and, you know, had a steak. You got to cut it with a knife. You got to chew it a little bit more. Are you here? And so we've got to have the discipline of affection. The world, John, is contrasting. It talks about God or the world or what we could say is just the, the, the pursuit of things and materialism, all those things. Most Christians are trying very hard to grow godly character and lifestyle, but they struggle in making progress. Because guess what? You can't just eat one healthy once a week. You can't just, you know, sometimes we have our once a week cheat day, but sometimes we have six days of cheat day and one day of healthy day. Are you here? And I'm preaching to myself sometimes, you know. I tend to tell myself my vacation's over. I'm back now. Get back in discipline. Are you here? But, but you know, what, what do we do? We can't just come to the house of God and worship God one day, eat of his word one day, and then the rest of the week we're vegging on Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime and Instagram and Facebook and CNN and Fox News. No wonder we're fearful. No wonder we're struggling with anxiety. Are you here? What are we eating on? And not saying there's anything wrong with those things. I, I, I look at those, those things are great tools. But what are, we, what are we allowing our affections to be attracted to? Some Christians don't understand how to discipline their affections and the things they love. But you can discipline your affections. You can choose who you're going to serve. You can choose what you're going to like. How many of you have ever gone on a diet and you started eating healthy? Anyone? You remember? All right, yeah, all right. Some of us were still there. When you start eating healthy, you know what I realize? I don't crave junk food. Yeah. I don't crave the things that I think I need. Are you here? We all get tired and what do we want? Pasta. And in and out. Because you know, your body's craving the carbs. But after you eat it, you feel, oh, my God, why did I do that? Anyone else been there? Uh, can I be honest this morning? <laughs> but, but when you start eating healthy, you don't have a desire for unhealthy things. And even when you eat it, your body reacts immediately because your body's been healthy. But when you're eating unhealthy things, what happens? It's convenient. It's easy. Come on. And, and, and what do we do? But it's not healthy our body. We are not recognizing health. But when your body detoxes from the negativity, you start getting a desire for things. And, you know, I, sometimes I go out, I'm like, what do I want to eat? I want a salad. 
It's like salad. How boring. But my body's craving something that's healthy. Are you here? What's true in the natural is true in the spiritual. Mark, Matthew 6, verse 21 says this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so where do you want your heart to be? Put your treasure there. Put your treasure there. Where are you investing your life? That's where your heart is going to be. Because that's what you get accustomed to. Many people don't realize we can change our heart's affection by deciding where we put our treasure. And that's why people, when people get involved in perversion, they get a taste for things they were never meant to taste of. And what do they do? They, they think, well, I can't help myself. I have this affection. I've been exposed to something. How do you change? Put your affection in the right thing, in the thing that's healthy. Are you here? Spiritually speaking, if we want to love God more, what do we have to do? you got to spend more time talking to God. Amen? If you want a relationship with someone, you might like them and they don't like you. Or have you ever, you know, maybe even your spouse, when you first met, you didn't like each other. Or one guy, the guy liked the girl, but the girl didn't like the guy. Or vice versa. But what happened? As you start spending time together, as you start, what well, your heart starts opening up. And, well, this is not such a bad person. Well, oh, wow, I can see the qualities I didn't see before. And, and, and what happens? Are you here? Your, your affection begins to change. So our treasures are what? Our time, our money, our thoughts, our energy, the resources of our life. Where we invest those will determine where our treasure will be. The more time you spend at the gym, the more you're going to like being at the gym. Some of you don't believe me. Come on. The more you spend exercising, the more you're going to wake up and it becomes a part of your routine. It becomes a part of your lifestyle. The more you read, the more you're going to like reading. Are you here? But the more you watch movies, the more movies you're going to watch. The more shows you're watching, the more shows you're going to watch. What else? Is like people say, I can't find anything on Netflix. Well, why? You watched everything already. The, the writers have been on strike. There's no new stuff. Come on. Why don't you go read the Bible or read something else or put something? Come on. There ain't nothing out there. Like, How can you not find something? Come on. <laughs> say amen or oh me. So if we want to love God more. How much time are we spending in his word? How much time are we spending in prayer? How much time are we, are we spending around the people of God? How much are we giving to the work of God? Where are we investing? It's amazing. People, I'm struggling. I have no money. You know, it's, I can't afford to tithe. But you've watched every movie out there. You always don't miss on your popcorn and your drink. Are you here? It all has to do with our heart. I know those people all come for 11. Well, I'm not talking to 9 a.m., but come Before you know it, as you invest your heart, your affection, you start falling in love with God all over again. Even the Bible says in a marriage, people say, well, I fell out of love. Why? Because your affections have gone to the wrong thing. Maybe you're putting too much of your investment in your life in your work or in your hobbies or you're in your team or even in the children. And you forgot to invest in each other. But what does the Bible say? And Jesus talks to the church and Laodicea. He says, you've lost your first love, but go back and do the things that you used to do. Do the things that you did in the beginning. And watch, you'll come back to your first love. Because where we put and invest our affection, 
Come on, there is, that's where our heart will be. So we've got to have transformation in our affection. Begin to get a healthy desire. Jesus says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because when you taste of God, you taste of his presence, you get exposed. You want more of God. But be tasting of the right things. Can you say amen? The first discipline for godliness is the discipline of affection. Number two, to see transformation, we also need the discipline of adoption. Someone say adoption. Again, in 1 John 2, verse 16, it says, For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh. Again, the, the affections of the flesh. And it talks about the lust of the eyes. So the discipline of adoption is what? That we choose how we will progress in our lives. What, deter, what deter, determines where you're going? Where is your vision? Again, it talks about the lust of the eyes. What are you looking at? And, and sometimes, you know, it can be, you know, we, again, we're on Instagram, Facebook, we're looking at all this stuff, and many times it's not even real, and we start lusting with our eyes. Oh, I want that handbag. Oh, I want that vacation. Oh, I want to live in that house. I want this, I want this. And what happened? Now our vision begins to just come for the things of this world. Are you here? But what's our vision? If I ask you, what are your goals before the end of the year? We all have our goals. I want to make this amount of money. I want to do this. I want to buy this. I want to do this. But what about your goals in godliness? Where's your, what's your vision of what you want to see happening in your connect group? Of what you want to see in the church? Of who you're wanting to see come to, to and encounter God before the end of the year? Where is your vision? Again, it has to do with the lust of the eyes. Where is our vision? We need to apply ourselves in this in the area of our, of our cravings, but in the area of our vision. Because what, wherever we look is, determines where we're going to go. The Bible says without vision, you cast off restraint. Why are some Christians always struggling and going to exit? Because they got no vision. What's the vision for your marriage? If you got a vision and you're working on your, yourself, you're working on being a better husband, a better wife, you're working on building your marriage, you're not going to be looking over the fence. Say amen. But if you have no vision, what happens? That's when you start looking. And people in Orange County were famous for it, the midlife crisis. We got our kids, our dog, our, and we look and, we're, and we start looking because we've lost vision. And marriages break down, things break down. You know what I'm doing, saying? Because we've lost our vision. In Ephesians 4 verse 22, the Bible says this. You can put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you would put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now how do we adopt? How do we put on the new man? Again, we have to change our vision. Before you were saved, what was your vision? Make money. Have pleasure. Are you here? It's all about me. Gratifying my flesh, gratifying my desire, getting approval, getting all these things. Are you here? But what has changed? Where's your vision now that you're saved? Is it just about those things now we just pray and ask God for them? Or do we have a kingdom vision? And again, I'm not against all those things. God doesn't mind us having things as long as they're number two, number three, number four. But what's our pursuit? Where things don't have us. Our heart belongs to the Lord. Our vision is a kingdom vision. But we've got to put off the former conduct. 
because it, it continues to be corrupted. We've got to renew the spirit of our mind. What does that mean? The spirit of our mind. Our vision, what are we thinking about? As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. What are we thinking of? What is pursuing in our, in, our, in our thinking, in our focus, in our vision? Are you here? So how do we begin to do that? We have to exercise ourselves to begin to focus on the right thing. The Bible says, set your affection on the things above. Set your affection on the word of God. Set your affection on the vision of what God says marriage looks like, of what God says business looks like, of God, what God says church looks like, of God says family looks like. And then as your vision is on that, where are you going to head toward? You're going to head toward that vision. Are you here? If my, 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 my eyes are focused on the 405 north, I'm not going to end up in San Diego. Well, I just want to go to San Diego. Lord, help me get to San Diego. No, my affection and where I'm heading and where I'm having momentum moving towards is going to be there. i got to turn my head south if I want to get to San Diego or I'm going to end up in L.A. Well, I just don't know how I got here because that's where your vision was. Many of you heard me tell this example. I, you know, I love riding motorcycles, and I haven't done it in a while. But, you know, when I was going for motorcycle training, they teach you when you want to turn, you look to where you're turning. But that's very dangerous because when you're on a bike or a motorcycle, guess what? When you see the curb going that way, you want to look towards the ditch to make sure you don't get in the ditch. But if you look towards the ditch, your bike's going to go to the ditch. So you've got to trust your vision, and even though you're coming around that curb like that and you want to look over, you look to where you want to go, and you trust that everything else is going to follow. And your motorcycle will follow where you're looking, and you'll end up in a safe place. Are you here? So to overcome the lust of the eyes, which leads to greed and envy, we have to adopt a new vision for our lives. Looking at good models, okay? Looking at good mentors, looking at examples of what we want to be like. So, you know, people who want to be athletic, what do they do? They take a picture or they cut out of a magazine and they put an athlete there. Usually put it right on the pantry door, amen. If I want to be skinny, you know, and I, what do I do? I put it on the refrigerator. So before I, I look at that picture, that's my goal. Can we be real? Are you here? What are we looking at? If we have no vision, it will never happen. And that's in every area. Tell series I'm preaching, all right? So what, what do we have to do? Exercise these traits of what you're looking for. Look at your life. What are your strengths that you're wanting to see get stronger? What are your gifts in God? Who are the people you're wanting to reach? What are your goals in God? And put those in front of you. Visualize them. You know, I was young, a young Christian. I had, we used to have, you know, index cards. I think they're still available. Well, I'd write scriptures out on an index card and put it in my car on my dashboard. So I would constantly see that scripture and be reminded of the vision. And what happened? The word got out of my thinking into my heart. The Bible says you want your way to be prosperous. You want to prosper? Joshua says meditate on the word of God day and night. What does it mean to meditate? It means to mutter to yourself or rehearse over in your mind. What are we rehearsing in our mind that's leading us to the thing? That's what's sucking out our energy. But if we can put our vision and adopt God's vision in our life, come on, we're going to see godliness in our life. You believe that? Get a little shout. Amen.
So, so to see transformation, what must we do? We've got to have the discipline of affection. Don't allow anything to get your affection. And Paul said, I don't want to come under the power of anything. If I like something too much, I watch it in discipline in my life. Are you here? Is there anything wrong with having a glass of wine? I don't think the scripture says anything wrong with it. But if I have to have a glass of wine every day to rest, to relax, and it takes two and it takes three, what am I doing? I'm coming under the power of something. Are you here? You can, even on the positive, you can be addicted to exercise. There's so many people, they're paranoid, they're, they're rigid, they're miserable people because of such discipline. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our affection, what has our heart, and our vision. Are you here? Amen. Number three. Can you take one more? To see transformation, we need the discipline of taking action. If you want to accomplish things, you've got to take action. And, and I'm talking about the right action here. Sometimes we're taking the wrong action and the negative, it leads us to the wrong place. But you've got to take the right actions. In 1 John 2 verse 17, are you learning something? It says, the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And there's a principle I've learned, you know, many years ago. I want you to say this together. Say, when I repeat an action, I reap a habit. When I repeat a habit, I reap a destiny. So we have to what? Repeat an action. As you keep doing the action, psychologists tell us you do it over and over for 21 days, it becomes a habit. So if you do an action for 21 days, it becomes a habit. And if you keep doing the habits, guess what? It becomes a destiny. You reap a destiny. So we've got to discipline ourselves. If you can get through that 21-day mark. And that's why, you know, even spiritually, we tell people, have the right confession. When people go through ministry and they've gone through hurts and healing, start renewing your mind. How do you renew your mind? For the next 30 days, keep confessing what the Word of God says over your life. And it will change the way you see yourself. Are you here? So we want to, but see, reap destiny, we've got to repeat a habit. And as we repeat that habit, it, 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 what, it, we reap a destiny. It's all about it. So, so if we want to see godliness, we've got to do godly habits. Give up the, don't give up the habit, the Bible says, of meeting together as some are doing in the last days. Come on, being in the house of God is a good habit. Don't forsake the assembling together of the saints, the Bible says. Because guess what? If you stop getting around godly people, if you stop hearing godly the word and you're listening to the wrong thing, it will affect your Christianity. Nobody backslides overnight. They start allowing their affection. They start allowing their vision to go to the wrong thing. And then guess what? It affects their spiritual life. But on the positive, have a habit. What's a good habit? Show up in church. 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock. If you're traveling, even when I'm traveling, I'm on the cruise. I watch online. Are you here? Because I don't want to miss out on what God's doing and what God's saying. Even when I'm not preaching. I, I, I'm connected because that's, that's my habit of feeding myself, of, of wanting to know what God is doing. What's the present revelation that God's bringing in the house? Are you here? What's another good habit? Prayer. Pray. Spend time with God. Whether it's the morning, the afternoon, the evening, it doesn't matter. I like the morning because it kind of sets my focus. But sometimes I got to pray in the afternoon too. Sometimes I pray in the evening too. Come on, I got to pray all the, without ceasing the Bible. But 
Are we connecting with God through prayer, through our worship? Are we reading the word of God? Are we reading Christian books that can change the way we're thinking? What are you reading? Who are you associating with? People say, if you want to see where you're going to be in the, in the next five years, your success, what are the books you're reading and who are the people you're talking to? Well, all my friends are going nowhere. Well, guess where you're going? I'm not saying get rid of your friends, but get some new friends. If you're the smartest one in the room, and some of us like that because we feel smart, but we're in a, not a very smart room. Get in another room with people that can help. In business, I'm always getting in the room with people that are way ahead of me. And I keep my mouth shut. You get somebody who's in a room with everyone else and they're trying to talk and blow themselves up. And people are like, you're in the wrong room for that. <laughs> you're in elementary school. We've done master's degree. Come on. We're, we're at another level. Get in a room with people that can help you. What did you do to bring it from this to this? Even in business, how did you get from, from nothing to six figure? How did you get from six figure to seven figure? Are you here? Not because they're more intelligent. But because they, they know the plays, they know what to focus on, they know the disciplines that will get us there. God's not a respecter of persons. We need to respond. Are you here? So have the discipline of action. What are you taking action on? If you want to be godly, you've got to take action. How many of you want to be healthy? Well, what actions are you going to take? What actions are you going to stop? And I had that conversation this week with myself. Are you here? You've got to change your actions. Salvation is a gift, and thank God he's prepared the way through the finished work of Christ on the cross, but we have a responsibility. Jesus taught his disciples, John 6, verse 27. He said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And his disciples asked him, what must we do? To do the work God requires. And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he sent. What? To believe and make Jesus the center of it all. To follow his word in our life. And it brings benefit not just in this life, but the life to come. Can you say amen? Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians 1 verse 6. He said, he who began a good work in you will carry it on into, until completion, until the day of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus. So what's he saying? We're, we're, not, we're not arriving. I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. But are we going through the process of transformation? Discipline requires action on our part. It's an ongoing work to see transformation, and it requires a regular response. It requires a daily response. 1 Timothy 4 verse 8, it says, For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable in what? All things, having promise in the life that is and the life that now is to come. Simple message this morning, but so simple we miss it. Godliness doesn't come by getting the latest evangelist who has a, a mega ministry to lay hands on you. If I could just have Penny Hinn lay hands on me. If I could just have this person lay hands on me. Oh, if I could just get close to Pastor Derek. No. It's about our daily affections. It's about adopting the right way of thinking and setting the right goals. It's about action, taking the right actions every day and making them a habit, making them a lifestyle so that we 
can cause our way to be prosperous. What's the greatest treasure in your life? I ask you today, is Jesus the greatest treasure? What is the thing that we're pursuing that really has our affection above all other things? What's the thing that's consuming our thoughts? What's the thing that's taking most of our money? What's the thing that we're investing most of our time in? As Christians, it's not automatic. Jesus made the way for us, but we've got to make the right decisions. We've got to have the disciplines. And it's easy to get out of discipline. Because life is busy and things are always pulling on us. But I don't allow anything to pull on me to get me out of my prayer life. So if I haven't prayed, I'm coming in late today because I need to pray. Sometimes I stay up late praying. Sometimes I, but, but that's my lifeline. Because if, if, there's not, if I'm not connected to Jesus, he's the vine, I'm the branch. Life stops flowing. Blessing stops flowing. Sometimes we need to look. At, and it's not about working harder. It's about getting connected. So this morning, where, where's our treasure? Have we allowed things to come in and draw us away? Maybe not totally, but our mind is starting to focus too much on something. We're giving a little bit too much time to something. We're allowing ourselves to be affected too much by something. And, and life has a way of disrupting us. But we've got to make a decision to say, no, I'm going to say, stay disciplined. What about our goals? Are our goals only secular in nature? Is it just about my family and my kids and getting them through college and they need to make money and I want this and I want that. We've got all the natural secular goals. What about our spiritual goals? Because all those things don't matter. When Jesus comes back, all those accomplishments, we don't take it with us. The Bible says don't build your house on the sand. Don't, don't sow where moth and rust can destroy. And another, we have goals. We live on planet earth. I'm not saying... Don't function. Let's prosper. Let's do business till he comes. But, but what are we building for? Are we building our life for eternity? And these are the things that God speaks to us, I believe. For me, also, we need to focus on our disciplines. Do the things that are necessary. Sometimes it's not a lot. You can be on a ship and you're headed west, but you just get off a little bit. But as you keep going, you get miss the mark. Just a small degree. But the longer you stay with the wrong focus, you get off from where God wants us to be. Amen? What do we want to see in our walk with God? What do we want to see for our family? What do we want to see in our connector? What do we want to see in our ministry this year? Come on, let's grow in loving God more. Let's grow in our love for His house. Let's make a decision to spend a little bit more time maybe in prayer. A little more time seeking God and His Word and tuning out the voices, social media and the world and all of those things that are there. What lifestyle change do we maybe need to adjust where we've adopted the wrong lifestyle that's, that's not helping us in growing towards godliness? Maybe it's making some boundaries with some friends, spending time with other people that maybe think more along the line that we know and we still love people, we don't cut people off, but What's the influence? Who's, who has our ear? The, the things that affect us or the things we look at, the things that we begin to experience, the things we listen to. Those are the gateways into our heart. Amen. Why don't we stand on our feet this morning? Come on, let's just lift our hands towards heaven. Let's just begin to allow the Holy Spirit to set some goals, bring some adjustments in our life.
to bring the, the focus that's needed, maybe to see some transformation that we're wanting to see. Maybe we're a bit frustrated. We feel like we're not moving forward. Come on, it's just a slight adjustment sometimes. It's just dealing with an issue of our heart sometimes. It's just putting in that discipline sometimes. And as we continue it, we will cause our way to be prospered. Come on, begin to talk to him right now. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would come. Search our hearts, oh God. God, come and move in our life, oh God. God, come and, and let us see the urgency that's there, God. If we're on, on the wrong course or... Maybe there's an adjustment that needs to be made that we won't go through the rest of this year without making that adjustment. But we come before you, God, and we put things in order, God, in our lives right now. God, with our affections, the things that we're pursuing. God, with the thinking that we're adopting, God. And with our action, God. God, we set our course. We set our heart on you, Jesus. Come on, talk to him.